0: Good morning, Canyon Hills. Good morning. It's great to be before you. We are cel- there's so much going on in our midst, meaning in our church, that we wanted to take one Sunday out of the year and just celebrate what God is doing. You know, there's 125 of you out there right now who have just finished a 10-week study call, rooted. Can you guys help me thank them and just congratulate them <laughs> for their commitment and allowing God to work with them? We are also celebrating that our park is almost done next Sunday. By the time you guys come, your kids are going to be jumping on this play structure that's already out there. So we're celebrating that. We're celebrating that our Canyon Hills Carnival was amazing this year. We're celebrating that our MOPS ministry is growing. And we have over 60, I think about 68 women there, of over 60 kids. There's just so much going on in our midst that we wanted to take a Sunday to pause and say, thank you, God, and uh, try to focus. I know that it's hard to focus because you guys are smelling tacos already, but <laughs> just hold, hold on for just a bit. We're, we'll get to enjoy those in a, in a minute. We're going to enjoy some testimonies. We're going to enjoy some baptisms. We're just exi- excited for a day like today. But before we continue in that, I wanted to stand up here and kind of just give you a little glimpse uh, and talk about really the heartbeat of Canyon Hills. You know, what is the makeup? What is the DNA of our church? Now, we're all going to give you the sense of this journey that we want to walk people with, and we want to give people a glimpse of here at Canyon Hills. Now, in the Bible, th- there is a word that describes the way which we live. The word they use in the Bible is called a walk or your walk. In fact, Ephesians, the Apostle Paul in Ephesians 5.15 says to live wisely, or some translations say to walk wisely. So that word can you be used interchangeably. Now, if you're going to walk anywhere, what do you need? You need a path. So I want to give you a glimpse of the Canyon Hills path, if you will. And the way we designed it is with the intention of getting you to where God wants you to go. And we call it the Canyon Hills Transformational Loop. Now, here's how it works so that you can understand how you might fit in in this. In your bulletins, if you can please take that out, you guys see this little diagram explaining this Canyon Hills Transformational Loop. It's very technical. Try to follow along. Totally kidding. Now, all of you probably at some point were invited to something here at Canyon Hills. You either came because somebody invited to your weekend service, you came through our childcare, the Canyon Carnival, our MOPS ministry. That's just kind of the way you ended up here. And now if you look at this loop at the top of it, you're gonna see this cloud. And this cloud represents our culture. Now, this culture is where people, all of us, in our society exist. And that's where people wonder all of these things, and they have questions about life, and they have philosophies and opinions, and and culture exists in this cloud, so to speak. Now, this is where we, the church, want to come and meet culture in this cloud. We invite people to come as they are and to ask their questions about life, about purpose and meaning, and to join us in what God is doing here at Canyon Hills. And one of the greatest joys of a pastor and anyone here in ministry, you leaders can attest to that as well, is to get somebody to join you on this journey as they come to investigate what God is doing in our midst. And so they come to a weekend service and they experience something different about their lives. And this is represented here in this next step. If you go down, there's this box and this is where people come to be part of something bigger than themselves and they experience worshiping God they experience some teachings from the Bible, maybe begin to wonder about those questions that they had about life, maybe begin to wonder about what the Bible says about their own lives and their own journey. So people who are invested in this culture and this cloud are invited to join us here on a weekend service. And then this kind of rounds up this loop and it goes down to the bottom to this circle that we like to call community. Because we've realized as a church that if anyone's going to make any significant change in their life, it's not ever going to happen by themselves. We realize that you need other people around you. I mean, in fact, some of you just completely rooted, and it gives you a sense of maybe a better sense of where God wants you to go, what God wants you to do. Maybe you have a better glimpse of your own story. Maybe you even had the courage to share your story for the same time. Some of you learned that God has given you the power and the Holy Spirit to break through strongholds and to break through things that may be holding you back. And you realize that it's tough to do that in isolation. You realize that you need other people around you that can encourage you and pray for you. And the way this comes to fulfillment here at our church over the long haul is through one thing that we call life groups. That's our small group study that people belong to and belong to throughout the year. And then there, you see this big arrow that just kind of carries you back up into the culture, this, this big opportunity there. And this represents the way Jesus impacted the world. The, this represents a way in which Jesus impacted our, his culture. And Jesus always made an impact with everyone that he came in contact with. He focused on the marginalized and the poor. But mostly he just focused on the people that he met in everyday life. And some of you in week six of your rooted experience got to do just that. In fact, all of you served at the Canyon Hills Carnival. That's one of the things we're celebrating because so many people came to that and had a great time. And you're going to find that serving is really close to the heartbeat of our church. And you will find that whatever you do, no matter how big or small, is going to start to impact that society, that culture that we're talking about. And that's what we do here. We like to serve others, and we focus primarily on the poor and the marginalized. In fact, this whole loop that we're talking about, in a nutshell, is the way this world was transformed by this guy named Jesus. And what we want you to see about this is that how it goes back into the culture. It doesn't stop there. It's not a circle that just keeps going around and around. It has this loop feature which is going somewhere else that represents movement. It doesn't stop. And this is what's called escape velocity. You know, when spaceships orbit the earth, the way they're able to make a trip to the moon, or the the way they are able to escape the orbit of the earth, is that they have to have gaining of speed, or momentum, or inertia, to be able to take them into something greater, to the next level. And the whole notion of what we do here at Canyon Hills isn't simply having people go around and around forever and ever and just being nice to each other, rather that they themselves would have future expansion and catapult themselves, if you will, into this cloud, that they would escape velocity and that they would reach greater ground. So if you're here for the first time and you're not a regular tender of Canyon Hills, you're here now probably because it is the direct result of some people here that have reached this escape velocity. And what this means is that people are on this journey, and they start to think about what God would have them do, what God would have them say. They start to think about where God would send them, and they start to think beyond themselves and about others. They don't just circle and orbit. And then they start to endeavor to impact others and to help others with their transformational journeys as well. And that, in a nutshell, is the heartbeat of Canyon Hills. That's why you are all here. It's what we do, and it's what we're all about. And here's the simple point to this. We want you to join us. There's a lot of work to be done, and with a group this size, we can transform our communities, and folks, we can transform the world one person at a time. And it starts with one thing. Worship. It starts with us understanding there's something greater than us, and we can't help but to come before God and say, God, thank you for the good and the bad, because I know some of you are not always going through some good things, and yet what God calls us to do in the Bible is, no matter what we're going through, is to get up, lift our voices, lift our hands, and cry out and worship the King of kings and the Lord of lords.
1: So with that in mind, would you get up on your feet? And you know what, you're going to see with this transformational loop and and with what we're going to talk about later that we are saying that we are the church. The building is not the church. And that when we are transformed, we, every single person, are ministers to the world, and to others. And so we are not worship leaders. We are worship leaders. You are a worship leader because you've experienced the majesty and the wonder of God working in your life and changing you and bringing you back from the dead and redeeming you and redeeming relationships, right? You've experienced him, and so we can't help but stand up and shout and lift our hands and jump because he is amazing and wonderful and worthy of praise, yes? Yes. Come up. We're gonna tell his story right now. This is our story, but it's his story more than anything. I was buried beneath my shame. to you. You are our king. Help us take that posture today.
2: Well, good morning, Canyon Hills. My name is uh, Terry De La Cruz. I'm one of the elders here. I also sit on the men's ministry board. And Carlos asked me if I'd come up and share a little bit today about my Rooted experience. And uh, for those of you that don't know, the elders and staff did this uh, Rooted program before any of the congregation did it. We did it in, uh, in the spring, kind of a go through. And my first thought was, this is basic Christianity stuff. I've been a Christian pretty much my whole life, and uh, you know, what am I gonna learn from this? But boy, was I wrong. Uh, the elders did a rotation on uh, who was gonna lead from week to week, and, and I dove in and uh, did all my reading, did what I was supposed to be doing, and it really gave me an introspective on, on what my life was like and what I needed to do to be a better Christian. I highlighted in my book every week as we did everything and and uh, the elders served together at uh, Orangewood and it was just a wonderful time but the next phase of that was that I had to lead my regular Wednesday night group into that and a little bit about my group we're a more mature group which would say we're a little bit older and we're kind of set in our ways we don't like doing homework and uh, I've got a pretty large group and I was wondering how this was gonna go over so I presented it to them. I told them that uh, we're gonna get out of it what we put into it. And uh, I am happy to say that everybody dove into this study and uh, just participated like, like I have never seen in the many, many years I have led this group. Uh, it brought us closer together. We had conversations uh, and, and just diving deep that was just unbelievable. Most of the studies that I had led were video studies, and those videos would you know, take up a chunk of, of time every week. And I was wondering, how are we going to fill all that time in, in our Bible study group? And I'm going to tell you that most weeks we ran over and we only got maybe through three days because so many people opened up, and the closeness and connection that we have had uh, over the past 10 weeks was unprecedented. We had questions come up. Uh, And we may not have known all the answers, but I tell you what, people in our group went back and uh, researched and we found most of the answers uh, that God wanted us to find through research and and diving into the Bible. So it was a great time, a great 10 weeks. And if you guys remember, on the very first week, we all sat here uh, for the first session and we did our testimonies uh, within our group and we kind of went around the table and we talked about those testimonies and, and everybody's story is a little bit different. Uh, some people had known Christ their whole life. They were born and raised in it. Some had riveting stories of broken families, alcohol, drugs, and they came to Christ. Their, their testimony was like a, a drama movie. Uh, some people had instrumental people in their lives, a grandmother, or another family that uh, showed them the way, and uh, they had become Christians that way. Uh, You see, when you look and you can be that people, that kind of people that people look at and see, hey, I want to be like that person. Something's a little bit different about them, and many people in my group had examples like that people are more likely to read you than they are to read the Bible. So we're on display all the time. My personal story is I was raised in the church. I went through all the sacraments. I was an altar boy. I went to church. My dad made us go to church every Sunday. We sat in the same place, same mass, for years and years and years until I became an adult. See, I knew who God was, but to me, God was, uh, he was out there. A kind of a scary guy that was just waiting to pounce on me when I failed and sinned. But fast forward many years in my early 30s, and I was married. I had a, a young son, a newborn daughter, and uh, was building a business, and that was my focus. I, we had moved to Belinda, bought the white Suburban that everybody had, thought I had made it, But something was missing. My uh, marriage wasn't the best. My focus was all on me, building my business, making money, and all the things that I could accumulate in my life. Uh, Then we got invited to go to a Bible study. And uh, I walked into that Bible study, and everyone was kind of sitting around, praying out loud, sharing their hearts. And I thought, what a bunch of freaks. I was so uncomfortable, I was a fish out of the water. Keep in mind, I'm the head freak now because I've laid those groups for, for quite a while. So I started attending Canyon a little over 20 years ago out on La Palma. And I heard Larry talk about a God of grace, love, and forgiveness that I have never heard before. And it seemed like every week Larry was speaking right to me. And I thought, how could he know this much about my life when I just started coming here? After a while, I plugged into different groups, um, and I refocused my life on what's really important. God, my family, serving others, getting outside of myself. It wasn't all about me, because I could really tend to be a selfish person. See, I knew Jesus all of my life. But 20 years ago, I found a personal relationship with him. And now I know Jesus like a father, a brother, and a friend. See, we all have stories, and they're all different. We all have uh, different testimonies that we can share. So here's just a few of them.
3: this spring.
4: Let's just hear it for all these testimonies. Thank you all for sharing. You may be seated. Wow, we are so proud of each and every one of you, regardless if you were up here sharing your testimony or not, because so many of you signed up to try this 10-week life group series called Rooted that you didn't know much about. And then you got there on day one and you realized that you would have daily homework assignments. And then you'd have to do these super awkward things like pray out loud with one another and then serve with one another. And then to top all of that off, you were asked to be vulnerable and share these strongholds and these sins with random strangers in the room. What's that all about? But you did it. You remain faithful and you remain committed to it. And because of that, you have begun to see God move in ways you never thought were possible in your life. And your relationship with Jesus is so much stronger now because of the conversations and the experiences and the things that you have been through as you got to grow together and rooted. And so what we want to do now as pastors of Canyon Hills is we don't want that momentum to stop. We want to continue pushing this forward and just allowing you to be rooted in who God has created you to be. So you can branch out into your communities, your homes, your workplaces, into your families and start to bear the fruits that God has given to you. And you do that by recognizing that you are ministers of Canyon Hills. And so what we want to do as pastors today is we want to commission each and every one of you in this room today as ministers of Canyon Hills. And I know that sounds scary, but hold on tight. We'll get there in just a moment. There's two things I want to do real quick before we actually do this. And the first one is I just want to make sure we've got this whole relationship with Jesus Christ thing figured out because it is tough to think about. For those of us who went through Rooted in week one, we were asked this question, who is God? God. And I know that sounds very simple and very easy up front, but as we started to discuss this and talk about it in our small groups, what we realized is this was a lot more difficult of a question than we thought that it would be. And some of us struggled to really put our minds and our words in sync and try to figure out beyond just the surface answer who God really is to us breaking down all the preconceived ideas, all the things that we read, but what does it mean to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ in your life individually? And we struggle with that. How do we relate to this God that seems so distant at time or so big, and yet we are so small? But what we found out as we continued to move through Rooted, as you continued to come to Sunday services, as you had conversations and fellowship with one another, you found that God presented the answer to you. And that answer, ironically, it's the same thing that all of us as pastors want for each and every one of you here who attend Canyon Hills Friends Church. You see, our goal as pastors is that as you leave this place, simply that you would be filled with the Spirit that you would be filled with the presence of Jesus Christ, that daily you would rely upon him, that you would go to him for everything that you could possibly want or dream of or think of or need and more, that you would be reliant upon him. And that's what we want for you. And you see, this isn't something that's just our desire. It's Jesus's desire as well. You know, Jesus even said in scripture, he says, there isn't anything that I have done that's been in my own power. Everything that I have done has been because of something inside of me, the Holy Spirit that lives in me. See, Jesus knew everything that he would accomplish in this life, everything that he would do while he was here on earth, wasn't by his own will, his own desire, his own power. It was because of the Holy Spirit that lived inside of him. And he says, I want that for you. I want you to be able to stand strong and firm and yell it out that we have the power of Jesus Christ. We have the power of the Spirit living and breathing inside of our lives. And it's so important that we recognize that. It's so important that we grab a hold of that and we apply that truth to our life because that's what we're being called to. That's what we want to happen in our life. And so that's what we want to do here. We want to kind of enhance this and push this on. And it all begins when the moment when you say, I believe in Jesus Christ, when you confess, when you stand up, when you publicly and boldly proclaim, I believe that I belong to Jesus Christ, that's when the Holy Spirit comes in you. You know, in Scripture, in the book of Ephesians, chapter 113, it says this, You also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. You see, we all know the gospel message because we've heard it all the time growing up. God created the heavens and the universe, and everything was perfect and beautiful and wonderful, but we gone done and messed it up, Right? We just were selfish, we're self-centered, and we chose to go astray from God's plan. And just like Adam and Eve, we chose to live a life for ourselves, And because of that, we allowed terrible things to happen. We've allowed the entrance of injustice, sexism, racism, bigotry, idolatry, corruption to an unmarkable scale running rampant in the world around us. And instead of this beautiful, joyous, wonderful place, We now live lives that are filled with hurt and betrayal and anger and sin and brokenness and doubt and fear. But you see, God loves us too much to leave us that way. And so he sent his son in the person of Jesus Christ to do what you and I could never do, to take on our brokenness, to take on our sin, to take on our shame, to take on all the things that are weighing us down, allowing us to experience true forgiveness and true freedom for the first time in our life. A forgiveness and a freedom that allows us to be reconciled to God, to reconcile to the people that we surround ourselves with every single day, and to be reconciled with ourselves, to see what that truly means. And Jesus says, this is what I want for you. I want you to understand that you are free, that you are forgiven, that you are loved. And it begins by believing, to believe and receive. Believe that I am Jesus Christ, and I have come to save you, and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit that's freely waiting for you to grab a hold of. You know, in Romans chapter 10, it says this, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. And it's with your mouth that you profess your faith and you are saved. You see, we understand this because it's so much more than just saying, I believe. It's about so much more than just saying that I belong to Jesus. It's about being convicted, about having this thing inside of you, this burning desire in your heart that causes you to scream out, to cry out, yes, Lord, I am yours that's what it's all about. That's why we boldly confess. That's why we praise him, and that's what he does. He says, when you get to that point, when you can say, Jesus isn't just the personal savior of the world. He is your personal savior. He is your savior of your sins, your flaws, your doubts, your fears, of all these things. That's when the Holy Spirit comes in and starts to fill us and make us into something new. And that's what it means to have a relationship with Jesus Christ, that we would be moving in this every single day in every single possible way that we could. And so what I want to do just before we commission you as ministers of Canyon Hills, the second thing, the final thing is simply this. I want to make sure that we understand that Ephesians passage that Pastor Carlos mentioned a little bit earlier. They kind of help us understand what it really means to be filled with the Spirit, to walk with the Spirit every single day. And it comes from Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 through 20. And it says this, Be very careful, then, how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Do you know what God's will for your life is? It says it right there, to be filled with the Spirit. That's what we want for you too. That's what we desire. And I think there's three ways that we can mark ourselves as being filled with the Spirit in this passage. Look at this. It says, first, it's speaking to one another in psalms and hymns. Secondly, it's singing and making music from your heart. And third, it's giving thanks to God for everything. That's what it means to be walking with the Spirit. And I think this actually really begins by being wise. That's why it says at the very beginning of that passage, live as wise, not as unwise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. You see, a wise person understands the nature of time. And there are two different viewpoints that we have of time in this world. There's the secular view and the biblical view. Both of them come from this Greek word called Chronos, right? And it's where we get, in the secular terms, a chronometer, like a watch that counts seconds and minutes and hours. It's the passing of moments, the passing of time. That's how the world sees this idea of time. But that's not the biblical understanding. See, the biblical understanding, the wise person understands that time is about opportunities. It's about making the most of every opportunity that comes your way. And this same Greek word that we just looked at, Kronos, the Greeks loved to personify things. And they wanted the people in the secular world to really understand what this really looked like or what it means. So they made this God out of Kronos. And it was this Fonzie-like character with this bowl cut, this buzz cut, and a ponytail on the back. And he would always be carrying these bags of gold and riches and super fast running all around town, all over the world. And the idea was is that if you were watching if you were waiting, if you were ready, you were on guard, when you saw Kronos coming and you reached out and were able to grab his ponytail, he would stop and bestow riches upon you. He would give you blessings. But if he passed you by because you weren't ready, you would just be grasping at nothing and the opportunity would pass you by. You see, every single day, God is giving us opportunities. Opportunities to bless someone, to pray for someone, to speak into someone's life to offer someone forgiveness, to offer someone a second chance, to be kind to someone, to be nice to someone, to invite someone to church, maybe to a Thanksgiving dinner, maybe to a Christmas experience, maybe to a Christmas Eve service, maybe just to sit and listen with someone. And you see, a wise person knows they have to make the most of every single one of those opportunities because the days are evil. You see, Satan wants nothing more than to rob us of these blessings of these riches, of these joys. He doesn't want you to experience true freedom and forgiveness. He wants to hold you captive by things of this world. And that's why it continues, and it says, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And I think it goes so much deeper than just this idea of don't get drunk on wine. Wine is something that controls you. It holds power over you. But aren't there so many other things in this world that meet that definition? Alcohol, drugs, power influence, greed, money, position, status, perception, right? There's so many things out there that hold power. And Jesus says, no, don't let those things control you. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Why? Because it says, once you're filled with the Spirit, all of the desires of your heart will be met. They'll be gratified. That's what it comes down to. It says, you don't need any of these things because I am enough because I will give you everything you could possibly want and more. And that's why you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. See, it's not this power tool that you can pull off the shelf and just use when you want to. It's something we need to be daily walking in, daily being filled with God's presence in our lives. And how do we do that? Well, it goes back to those three simple things, right? The first one it said was this. It said, speak to one another in psalms and hymns. What does that look like? If I were to ask you to describe to me what speaking to someone in psalms and hymns looks like, most of you would probably be like, I have no idea. I don't really feel comfortable just singing a cappella in front of you, right? It would just be really weird, and I'm not going to attempt to describe that because that would also be super weird. But what I think we can do is say what it's not. Do you think speaking in psalms and hymns to someone is speaking critically, speaking down, belittling, demeaning someone? No. Instead, Maybe it's speaking words of affirmation to someone, building them up, because when you speak words of affirmation, you're speaking God's presence, God's words into their souls, and it has the ability to change their life just by what you say. You know, this past week, my wife Tiffany and I, we had a chance to take a little vacation, and we went to Disneyland against my better judgment, and... Um, <laughs> Some of you know how I feel about that. But as we were leaving the park, we were driving out of the parking structure and she was waving to all the parking attendants and saying, thank you, thank you. And then she stops, looks at me and she says, am I weird for doing that? And I said, absolutely not. Because that job is a very thankless job. Nobody wants to be stuck in a parking lot, almost being run over by cars, and you get like the angry, tired, cranky kids and parents who have been in Disneyland all day, right? It's a very tough place to be in, but just by smiling, waving, and saying thank you, she made their day. She made them excited because she was filling them with affirmation that they were appreciated. And that's what it means to be filled with the Spirit, that we speak words of affirmation into people around us. But that's not it. The second part is to sing and make music from your heart. You see, the church is desperate for worshipers. And I think that there's so many people who come into the church who really don't know what it means to surrender in worship to God. To get to a point in your life where you're saying, God, I am crying out for help. God, can you save me? God, can you redeem me? God, can you forgive me? God, can you set me free? An emotion, a state of heart that brings us to our knees before the Lord saying, God, I need you. God, I need your help in this moment of our lives. You see, because worship is probably one of the most integrated parts of the entire service. Worship speaks to us in a way that a message never could. Because worship, when we sing, when we put things into words, it unites our mind. It unites our spirit, it unites our will, it unites our heart to we get to this point where we say, God, I am yours. God, I need you. And we need to realize that worship creates moments in our lives, moments that crack through the hardened shells of our walls, of our barriers that we put up every single day. And it allows us to be vulnerable where we can express what we're truly feeling. That's why we sing out loud in the car. I know, I see some of you on the streets. That's why you sing in the shower. I don't know. I don't watch that, right? That's why we do these things. That's why we sing out loud, because it gets us to a place where we can recenter ourselves, where we refocus and we realign ourselves with who God is. And that's why we worship. And I refuse to believe that we can come into church every single Sunday and sit there with our hands in our pockets and just rock back and forth and not feel moved by the music, not feel moved by the worship, because God is present in this building. And God is saying, I want you to cry out to me, and this is your opportunity. This is your God-given moment to release your worries, your burdens, your fears, everything, and surrender them to me. Do you know... When the military goes overseas, do you know who one of the first groups of people that travels over is? It's the band. Why? Because studies have shown that when the military, when the branches of our government get off of the plane and they hear their anthems playing, it unites them. It encourages them. It builds them up and it prepares them for war. Folks, we are at war. We need to come to this place and worship every single Sunday with our hearts ready for war, where we can hear the words of God speaking us into a way that a message never could and surrender to him and say, God, take control. That's why we need to sing and make music from our heart. And the last thing is to give thanks to God for everything, almost to the point of embarrassment because we have it so good that God blesses us in so many ways, in so many rich ways. He's been kind and merciful and generous. He's been protecting us. He's been providing for us, giving us abundantly what we never could possibly have deserved in this life. See, Jesus said when he left this world that he would leave behind something for us, the Holy Spirit, that would equip us and that would allow us to fulfill our calling. And our calling is to make more and better disciples of Jesus Christ every single day. And we do that by firmly planting ourselves and spreading the word of God, being images of God. And so what we want to do is I call all the pastors up on stage right now as we just want to continue this, and we really feel strongly about commissioning you all as ministers of Canyon Hills. Because I think that it's remiss if we continue to go on and not be moved, not be transformed, not be challenged by all of the wonderful, amazing things that God has done in our life, regardless if you have gone through Rooted or not just to look back and reflect upon how God has personally touched you, how he's transformed you, how he's changed you, how he's molded your life into something so far greater that you can't help but contain it. You want to go and just release it to the world, in your communities, your homes, your neighborhoods, your workplaces. And so what we want to do is we want to commission you all as ministers to do that, to be an extension of Canyon Hills. So I want everybody to rise to their feet. And if you agree, please say in kind that I do.
0: You guys ready? Do you commit to following Jesus, the exclusive Savior of the world, the Lord above all creation, and will you rely on the power of the Holy Spirit to transform you from the inside out and that you would be more and more like him every day? If you do, say, I do. I do.
1: Awesome. So do you commit to choose a daily lifestyle of faithfulness, listening to God's words and then honoring him with your actions. If you do, say, I do.
4: I do. And do you commit to embrace the place of a servant, looking to the needs of others, even though it may not be reciprocated to you? Say, "I I do. I do.
1: Do you commit to growing in generosity, understanding that God, the gracious giver of all things, has entrusted you with the task of being his manager? If so, say, I do.
4: I do. do. And do you commit to share your story of hope in Jesus with words of truth and grace and acts of love and kindness? If you do, say, I do. I do. do. Rooted class of 2019. (laughs) Based on your commitments and the completion of the Rooted Study Series, We now commission you as ministers of Canyon Hills Friends Church. And all of God's people said, amen, amen, amen. Let me tell you what that means.
0: Don't clap until you know what that
3: means.
0: (laughs) We want to join you in prayer. We want to do life with you. We want you to call our church so that we can join you in prayer and that we may be able to do life with you. We want to know what's going on. But we want you to be at the forefront and participate in meeting the needs of others as ministers of Canyon Hills. That means that when you see someone in your church or around you or in your midst who has a spiritual need, someone who is experiencing brokenness or pain or loss or isolation or loneliness, someone who is facing a stronghold that some of you already know how to break through. When you see that person, you are not Gonna call the church? Mm, mm, no, uh-uh. no, uh-uh. uh-uh. no. Nope. 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 Should they call you, Larry? Nope. <laughs> nope. No, you won't. You will not call, and you are not going to be looking for one of the pastors because you, as a minister of Canyon Hills Friends Church, are able and capable and have the power to meet that person's need.
4: Amen. Amen.
1: In the same thought, when you get that call, and somebody from our church, or outside the church, or families, or friends are rushing to the ER because something happened, or they're sick at home and they need some help. I know it's awful. You don't call the church. No, don't Don't call you church. church. You could inform us. You could ask us to pray alongside of you, but you go to them. You build a rally of people around them. You surround their family in prayer, and you show up, and you be the hands and the feet of Christ to them.
4: Amen. Amen. And when you're at work, right, you run into somebody or you're out in the marketplace, you're at Target, you're out getting a bite at the habit, and you see someone who's either a friend or a stranger, and you think in your head, this is an opportunity that I get to share. Well, actually, let me call the church and have them share. No. Oh, what you're going to be uh, doing come on. is you're going to say, this is an opportunity for me. To share my faith, to share Jesus Christ with that individual and step up and not
2: call the church. No. No. Mm -hmm.
1: And when you see someone struggling with addiction, (gasps) you are going to call the church?
2: No. No. No.
1: You are going to pray for them with faith, expecting, knowing that we, you, have the power to break strongholds with prayer. And then you will walk with them until that stronghold is broken. Yes? Yes. Amen.
4: And inevitably, in your communities, when you come across a family that you just see it's its breaking apart, or a marriage that's failing apart and falling apart, who are you not going to call? Not church. me. Come on, church. Who are you not going to call? Church. The church. Yes. You're going to walk with that family. You're going to sit with that family. You're going to love them and pray for them, because you are ministers of Canyon Hills Friends Church and of the gospel of God. Amen.
0: That's Last but not least, when you come across someone who is trying to make sense of this life and is looking and is searching for answers and their purpose, you're not going to call who?
4: The Church.
0: Don't call the church. Rather, you're going to walk with them until they break through whatever they need to break through. You're going to do life with them. You're going to invite them. You're going to care for them. But you're not going to call the church.
2: Amen. You are commissioned. Amen? Amen. Amen. You may be seated.